Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I don't know if you heard, you might have heard, we have some old cheap sports cars that we're going to give away. And because it's Tuesday, the day after the raffle ended, it's happened. It We're has. actually giving them away. We have selected the winners. We have harvested all their information, mm-hmm. and we are contacting them. We're going to call them both in order. Here we go. First call. Hello, this is James. James, this is Paul and Todd from Everyday Driver. Good evening. How are you, sir? Good evening. I'm doing great, actually, depending on what you're trying to say. Yes, exactly. We're calling you because <laughs> there's, there's a bill due. No, there actually isn't a bill due. Anyway, we're bye now. Yeah, Take exactly. care. Yeah, thanks, thanks, for, thanks for taking the call. No, we're calling you because... Awesome. Great. Thanks. Yes. Yeah, seriously, we're your best friends. Here's the big question, James. I'm just really curious if you would like a BMW Z4. I would not turn it down. You wouldn't would turn it down. Nice. <laughs> nice. You entered the raffle. My other nine vehicles in the driveway, I think it would complement them quite well. Wow. So what, this is number what 10. What is the list? All right. So start off with the most mundane, uh, 2000 ZX2 SR, the very rare-ish yellow Ford Escort ZX2. Wow. Right. Okay. Does it have the cool graphics on it still? Uh, yeah, half of them because okay. that's right. <laughs> before I picked it up. This is actually my third one of those. You like so those? There's Got that. It. Um, I have a 2000 Chevy Silverado 4.8 with manual transmission, four wheel drive. Okay. Wow. Okay. Uh, 2014 Silverado, four wheel drive, everyday, not everyday. The yellow car is my everyday driver, and it's blue, so at least it's color. Uh, my wife has a 2016 Jeep Wrangler JKU lifted wow. on 35s. Oh my okay. gosh. <laughs> she also has a 1986 Jeep JK, uh, sorry, uh, CJ7. Oh my hold gosh. On, hold on. I'm hearing a pattern. Wait for it. Wait for it. Bright pink. Okay. Okay. It's the Barbie wow. Jeep. Well done. Small pink. Okay. All right. Let's see. 1993 Mitsubishi 3000 GT with a very large wing Gambler 500 style. Wow. Is that the full VR4 um, monster? Uh, no, it is not the okay. VR4. Still well, cool. the wing makes up for the VR4. The, the wing though. makes up. You're yeah, right. That, it makes up go. for a it lot. Is, and it has seen more snow and rock crawling, and it has a had, at one time had a bumper with LED headlights on it. So like it's an a, overlanding Mitsubishi perfect. 3000. Yeah. It's, perfect. Exactly. I love it. Yes. I love it. My grandfather's 95 Silverado 1500, nothing special there <laughs> oh other than gosh. it's 80,000 original miles. And is in your driveway. Got it. Excellent. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Probably I'm running out of, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. You're I'm, running I'm out of space here, for cars. Yeah. That's what's happening. So it is, I also have a 67 Shelby Cobra replica. Wow. That Very I nice. am starting to pull the engine out of because I just bought a 7.3 liter uh, Godzilla engine four from Mass Motorsports with 670 horsepower. Did you hear the last podcast where Chance and I cautioned people on a Cobra <laughs> yes, with I too did. much power? That was okay, amazing. I just thought I'd ask that question. Anyway, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so like serendipitous that I would get the phone call and all of that and then the last podcast and everything else. Yes. 
That's quite the list. So, it's quite the variety. Yes, for and, sure. You know, here we're about to spice it up even more. Yes. Yeah, so, so there is a a blue uh, BMW Z4 here in Park City that is mine and is now yours. So we will we will start an email chain with you to figure out how you get it down to Oklahoma. But uh, thank okay. you for entering the raffle, and we're thrilled that you won it. Yes, and it I, also I am as well, and I'm very surprised, but also. You know, I entered the contest, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, but it's fantastic, James. I'm thrilled well for you. Done. Also, keep in mind, it does have four extra wheels with snow tires. Don't know if you need them, but it comes with that, too. So it's, you have a Z4 with four extra wheels and tires, and it's now yours, James. All right. So out of curiosity, just for planning's sake, mm-hmm. will the wheels and tires with snow tires fit in the car for We're the drive back? completely unsure. <laughs> We have no clue. We don't know yet. So, We've never tried. So I, I'm pretty sure many times on the podcast I've heard you say he tries to put wheels and tires with snow tires on them or extra wheels and tires in the vehicle for the drive. And you haven't tried it on this one? We, we haven't tried it on this one because we didn't have a reason to take both sets anywhere. Right. So uh, right. it theoretically ah. will, but we can, we can work on that. We can figure out all those logistics with you, James. But more than anything, I'm just excited about the fact that you want it and you want yes. it oh. and it's going to be yours. Well, very awesome. Thank you very much. And that, of, of the two, no offense, that was the one that I preferred. Uh, <laughs> well, it, it was totally random, and you are the man that won it, it, it so was bravo. genuinely awesome. random. Yeah, I've, I've, I've worked on a couple of Mercedes, and I do not want to do that again. Okay. All right. Fair uh, enough. So, yeah, fair enough. Perfect. I, well, I'm glad. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thrilled. Congratulations, James. Yep. Thank you all very much, and uh, look forward to hearing from you on uh, email, and go for it from there. Yep. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you very much. Good night. Bye-bye. See you. All right, we're calling him. Yep. Eric with the SOK. Got it. Yep. Excellent. Eric. Great. Number. Mm-hmm. Is he saying, yes, call me back, or what's he saying? Yes. He said, yes, you can. Hello, this is Eric. Eric, this is Paul with Everyday Driver, and you've got Todd on here. you got both of us. How are you, man? Eric, how are you, sir? <laughs> I'm doing well. <laughs> I thought that this was a was a hoax. i got to be honest. Yeah. Okay, well, but that's the other reason that we actually sent you the text first because because I said to Paul, I said if a random number comes up, it's going to be like I'm going to let that go to voicemail. I'll get that later. So I thought we'd text yeah. first and just say hi. This is actually everyday driver calling. Uh, so here it the, is. I, I recognize your voices. I well, that's good. That's yeah. good. Thank you. So so here is the large brace yourself question. Would you like an SLK? <laughs> oh man, I entered this on an absolute absolute lark. And I would love an SLK. I'm thrilled to hear that because you won the SLK, my friend. Congratulations, <laughs> man! Now I'm going to have to now I'm going to have to do some uh, research to figure out how to make the top work. <laughs> yes, understandable. Yes, yes, you are. And so the the car is here in Utah, and you're going to need to come get it. You're going to need to make plans somehow to come get the car, or you could arrange to have it shipped. By the way, it also includes four winter tires. I'm not oh. sure if they fit in the car or not. I haven't actually tried. Neither of us have yeah. tried to fit our tires in the car I mean, yet. granted, if you shipped it, you could theoretically probably fit them in the cabin. But if it's tires yeah. on wheels, because, of course, here we are. I mean, you're in North Dakota. Here we are in yeah. Utah. And so we used winter tires, as you know, all winter. And they yeah. do exist. I mean, and and, and I, do, I do the exact same thing, and I have for years. I'm a big believer. I'm a big proponent in the winter tires. I'm so glad because well, you're have getting some. 
<laughs> yeah, they, they they will come with said SLK. So uh, yeah, so it, it is it is yours. There will be many details that we will follow up with, and I'm sure we'll trade emails about it. But we wanted to call you so we can put this on the podcast, so we can have your voice and your response to the fact that we're not kidding. You actually did win a currently doesn't have a topic that goes down SLK. Well, it might drip a little bit of stuff on you, a little hydraulic fluid. It's mixed with water and a little bit of grease and dirt, so it's a special fluid that it drips on you. But absolutely, I'm sure. It can I, be you know, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to carry along a little drip rag. I'm so glad because I'm going to include that with the car. It it comes as now standard equipment on the car. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll accept it only if it's autographed. Well, okay. we'll, we'll autograph the side of the terrible T-shirt. That sounds fantastic. That nice. seems like something you're going to want for oh sure. Oh my yeah. gosh! Well, congratulations, and we're thrilled for you. You've got an SLK now, and yeah, it'll be winter worthy. It's used to being in winter now. We've trained it properly, so it's good. I'll have to I'll have to show it a proper proper cold winter here in uh, uh, eastern North Dakota. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> right. Well, uh, like I said, we'll definitely be in touch. Congratulations, man! So thrilled for you. Start making plans to uh, ship the car, or come to Utah, <laughs> and drive it home. Okay, I I will do that, guys. This is awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. We'll talk to you very soon, man. Appreciate it. All right. Sounds good. You bet. Thanks Cheers. a lot. See you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. So congratulations to both of our winners, James Matthews with the Z4 and Eric Hansen with the SLK. These guys put just a little bit of money in and got two cool German sports cars. Yeah, it was really cool. I'm amazed at how big this raffle got. I mean, I'm glad we could mention on the YouTube stuff, and that was really cool. But just so you know, guys know the stats, there were 1,793, 1,793 tickets sold. That's pretty good. The total amount of entrance people behind those tickets was less than 700 people. You had a, you had a better than one in 700 chance of winning. It was 673 entrants. Both those guys put in less than 100 bucks. Yeah, yeah. Which is amazing. Exactly. And they now have cheap, for them, very cheap sports cars. Cheap. That's, now, that's the way to get truly that, that, the you cheap have, sports seriously, cars that, right there. We can't even do a video on that one. That's how cheap they were. So I'm very excited for those cars to go to those guys. And, and as we said when we gave away our, uh, our cheap sedans, I'm excited to hear how their stories continue. Whether these are cars they have for a long time or cars they get rid of, whatever. I'm just excited to hear about the next chapter of these cars. Also, I can't quite tell you yet, but also that means you and I, Paul, are moving on to the next cars we are. We're excited very to excited announce to those. That. We've got a video coming very soon with the wrap-up tally for mm-hmm. the two current Jeep sports cars, just as, you know, how'd they do over the year? How much does, did we spend on them? Yep. What went wrong? Yep. What was fine? Just the, the little tally at the very end. And on that video, we will reveal the next two cars. Mm-hmm. We're very excited. So thank you guys, everybody who entered, who decided to enter and, and yeah, throw your hat in the ring. We really, really appreciate it. Really and we cool. look forward to con- continue doing this. We're not quite sure on the next two cars yet. We're not sure if those will be raffled or not. We haven't yeah, decided I, yet. I kind of doubt the next ones will be raffled. They, <laughs> we'll they were see. not in the cheap sports car category, but, uh, but at the same time, I think I, I love that you guys engage like this. It's really, really fun for us yeah, as well. And I'm glad it worked out. Well, our TV season is just about to wrap up, but we do need to thank our TV sponsors because we couldn't bring the TV episodes to you without them. And those, those companies are Haggerty, Griot's Garage, Covercraft, and Autotempest.com using autotempest.com slash everyday. And also with Griot's Garage, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off all liquids, 10% off everything else, and use the code EVERYDAY21 with our friends at Covercraft too. In a break from tradition for Tuesday, we've got a couple of Topic yeah, Tuesdays. They're a little bit shorter, but I like having both of them on here. First of all, we've got Caleb B. writing in about buying the winning car. 
What he means mm-hmm. is, he says, for so long in automotive history, you could go watch the races of almost any series and then go buy the winning car on dealer lots. Well, that hasn't happened for quite some time. But he asks, why have we stepped away from that tradition? Mm-hmm. NASCAR cars are custom tube frame chassis with a car name stuck to the bumper. Yes, that's true. Rally cars are rarely factory teams, and those cars are very different than what the streetcar actually turns out to be. So Caleb asked, to keep the tradition of win on Sunday, sell on Monday, why can't detuned race cars with roll cages and everything be brought to the street? I love your question. I'm intrigued by that. Mm. My question back to you, Caleb, and the audience, who's going to buy them? I'm going to bring up, first of all, all of the car makers who bring manual transmission sedans to market and have trouble selling those. And all of us enthusiasts say, well, manual transmission is the best. And the reason they stop after bringing it out, the Genesis G70 is a great example. Sold like 100 units, yeah. Now, it didn't have the high power engine. Mm-hmm. And you could say, well, if they've only bolted the manual transmission to the good engine, I would have bought it. Maybe. Really? Maybe, yeah. So they have trouble just selling mm-hmm. the manual version of a sedan or the manual anything. And I'll bet you with the Corvette C8, much discussion ensued. Much discussion yeah. and many meetings yeah, yeah, happened. Yeah. Should we make a manual? When should we make a manual? When mm-hmm. should we release it? Well, we've got probably other future electrification mm-hmm. or hybridization plans for this car. Yeah, for sure. So are we going to offer a manual? And based on our sales numbers, let's see how many people bought manuals. You have mm. to look at the oh, hard data. Hard. You have to look at the facts to guide your decision making. That's really what leadership at any of these companies is doing. Because if we went all on sentiment, it mm. would be tough to make inroads. It would be tough to really sell cars that you know car manufacturers want, and that just isn't bought by the majority of the buying public. So now you narrow it down to very niche cars. Mm-hmm. They're essentially race cars. Even, Caleb, you said, keep the roll cage in them. Do you want your husband or your wife stepping over the roll cage to take the kids to school to, I mean, maybe it sounds cool. <laughs> the it's kids cool would idea. like it. I mean, yeah. we do. Todd your significant do. other that's, that's not a car person would be like, I'm sorry, you bought what now? You're <laughs> taking them to school forever. Exactly. Yeah. And it has to do with, you know, back in the day, the Hertz Mustang, essentially the, mm-hmm. the GT350 Mustang. And you could rent it when it comes to rally cars. Fun. It'd be cool to have the livery. You could have a wrap shop detail your car and put all the decals on your car. Yeah, true. You know, you buy a WRX and you could just splash it with graphics and then you'd kind of have something there. But ultimately, do you think it would come down into insurance? I mean, do we need to talk to our friends at Haggerty and say, well, should there be a special class for this? But ultimately, how many of these versions will be bought? Because to make those cars, those mm-hmm. race cars are special. Mm-hmm. They're built in specialized garages using different components. Yeah. You know, yeah, they're yeah. E- even at a, a low base kind of level, mm-hmm. you'd still want something different than stock. Yeah. So to build those up, okay, so we take a handful of cars off the assembly line. All 50 of those are going over to the build shop yeah. to get outfitted with the special rally version or the special, you know, race car version of that. Mm-hmm. Now you've got a whole technical team doing that and rebuilding those cars. Uh, how, how do you price them? Can we all afford them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, it brings up all those questions. Then certainly insurance, because the insurance companies are going to say, oh, you've got the hot race car version of that. Now, what kind of driver are you? Well, it, it will factor in. And I know Haggerty can cover those kinds of cars. But ultimately, it, I think it just comes down to, will we buy them? Or will they just be bought by collectors? Well, and I think your Haggerty insurance thing is a very interesting point of this because I think it really does come down to the difference in usability. 
Because if you think about it, look, I'll, I'll do the, the fast version. We've all kind of heard it. NASCAR comes from bootlegging. Mm-hmm. Okay, those were normal cars being used for bootlegging. They made them fast so they could outrun the cops. Then they decided to race each other, and you eventually get NASCAR. Then think about NASCAR in the '60s and '70s when what you're talking about was happening, like like win on Sunday, sell on Monday. The car that was racing was fairly close to the car you could buy because let's right. be honest, both the race car. And the car that was a street car were death traps compared to the variations happening today. So what's happened is both those things, the racing and the street cars, have both gotten safer. But their safety tech has walked away from each other. The safety tech in your street car is because your street car is nice. And everything needs to look nice and be hidden. And there's 1,500 airbags in here and that kind of stuff. While the race car needs to have all kinds of... 14-point harnesses, okay, <laughs> well, and huge yeah. roll cages and, and fire suppression systems and stuff that results in it having, to your point, not only does it not have an interior anymore, it's just a frame. Yeah. So they've split. Yes. The only place these still connect at all is the rare time you get homologation specials. Right. Where a manufacturer, right. in order to race, needs to make a certain number of cars for the public. And the most recent one I can think of is the GR Yaris. Yeah. Is a homologation yeah. car. But that is rare. You have to now have a manufacturer who wants to. this, And this is where it gets really down in the weeds because NASCAR doesn't work for this. IndyCar doesn't work for this. F1 doesn't work for this. You have to have a, a, a manufacturer who wants to race in a series mm-hmm. that requires the car to resemble something you can sell to the public. Doesn't work for Indy, F1, NASCAR. Right. Doesn't work for any of those. Right. So now you have to want to work in a series that has that requirement. And then think about the Porsche 959. Mm-hmm. was built as a homologation uh, special, and then the rules changed so they couldn't even race well, it. Well, you're right. The series went away itself. The yes. rules changed so much, that series was defunct. And now they had these cars. And now you've got the cars. I guess we'll just stop building them and then yeah. just get rid of the, the inventory we had. But you're absolutely right. It comes down to homologation for mm-hmm. a particular series. Now, everything else, as far as safety... The, those rules are different. So it would have to be 50 yes. or 200 cars just for the homologation rules to mm-hmm. meet that requirement. But the safety tech is entirely different because all the normal cars have loads of wiring harnesses for all the safety tech yep. and all the yep. government mandates for this crash protection mm-hmm. and you know this seatbelt and that airbag and all that kind of stuff. Well, whereas a, a race car just has a roll cage and a, as you said, a multiple point seatbelt harness, yep. yeah. no airbags, no nothing else. But it's also designed for you to wear a helmet yes. and a fireproof suit yes. in it. Mm-hmm. So what is the line? Is it just we start doing more homologation series, but that means we have to make sure those series don't just disappear in a puff of smoke. <laughs> yeah. They have to be around. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we have another 959 problem. You're right. You're great right. car. Nobody can afford it. It went away and Porsche you know, needed to make money. Well, that was the BMW original uh, M1, too, was supposed to be a yes. homologation car. That series changes. Now they've got these things. They've got to steal them out of the Lamborghini factory. The legend continues. I think this is very much a situation where the reality of safety for both of those is just so divided mm-hmm. from each other yeah. now. You can't even see the other thing. Now, you still have trickle-down theoretical technology from racing series like F1 that theoretically trickles down to streetcars. But the cars don't trickle down. <laughs> That's true. And you hope that true. Well, Mercedes is winning, and I want to go buy a Mercedes. I don't know. By the way, I don't know that anybody <laughs> that's bought a McLaren bought a McLaren because McLaren won Sunday. I think they just want to buy a McLaren. But maybe it works. True. I don't know. True. Well, BMW is still the best company set up to do this mm. because they trick out sedans and coupes, mm-hmm. whereas 
other sports cars are bespoke for being a sports car. Yeah. Whereas yeah. you can buy just the low power version of whatever that coupe is, or you can buy the hot homologated special with the roll cage that competes in German touring car series, mm-hmm. you know, Aston Mercedes and really, well, it's Aston Audi and BMW at this point to yeah. my knowledge. So it's a very niche thing. It's not really worth a car company's dollars and effort to go do that anymore. Mm-hmm. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is important. This applies to online shopping too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all of the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. I know you've heard us talk about it before and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once so you know you won't miss a deal on that perfect car. Autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. Topic Tuesday number two comes from Marcus J. Writing about the sad state of car upkeep. Mm. His, he and his family are vacationing in Hawaii as he writes the email. And he's drawn to how many great cars that are lost to the elements and savagery. Hang on just a second. Savagery. A second. Marcus is such a car guy that he is in Hawaii with his family. <laughs> and and he sees going. cars. <laughs> and his thought is, I should write to the everyday driver guys. <laughs> I'm sure the family wants to do something else right now. And you're like, I got to send an email to the guys. Hang on before we go to lunch. I got to write the guys. (laughs) I think it's kind of great and terrifying all at once. Thank you for writing to us, Marcus. It's great. Marcus sees no pride and interest. He's Mm. lived in in Connecticut and Washington and Florida. He's traveled to all the states. He is also asking if there's a top list of states or cities for their love of automobiles. Mm. We've actually considered that doing, you know, kind of a show or TV episode related you know, something idea around that. But what he's ultimately saying is he took pride and utmost care of his first car, a 1971 super beetle, a super beetle. Here's the thing. I haven't heard about super beetles in years. And I I swear we've had like three or four emails in the last couple of months. People like I had a super beetle. Like where we're coming out of the woodwork now, uh, Marcus, the thing is the average person. And I, and I will speak as more of the average person of the (laughs) two of us. The average person isn't sure how to battle the elements. And if you have a car that has to park outside, you're in real serious trouble. Fair enough. So Fair enough. what you should be doing, look, now I'll be realistic. What you should be doing is you should be using Griot's products. You should be parking inside if you can't, if you can. And if you can't, you need a Covercraft car cover because they are awesome. They are, indeed. These are all the things. Yes. My cars are vaguely clean because the Griot's products are great and I'm kind of bad at it. And they end up being pretty clean anyway. You're your totally cars are, getting better. Your cars are fantastic because you do it right. I mean, the, the, the thing is, Marcus... As I continue to talk for the every person, it depends on how high on the totem pole of priority your car's upkeep is. Some people love it. Some people enjoy just making the car nice. Other people, it is such a tool. We had a guy that used to shoot for us that would show up at shoots with plates rattling around in his car because his car was such, he was such a focused guy on shooting. Plates as in dishes out of Dish, your yes, kitchen cupboard. Exactly. Yes. Dishes. To the point that, that his wife every week or so would go out and clean out the car and grab plates because she would realize they didn't have enough plates in the house for the kids. I mean, legitimately, this was going on. Honey, because where what are all he the dishes? Do, he would be Never running mind. so fast places. He would run into the right. house real quick. He'd grab something on a plate. He'd take it into the car and then he would just leave that plate in the car because it was just a tool to him to get places. The irony being, he would come to us where we cared about cars and we would shoot cars and he would make them look pretty and then he would go home in his rattly plate car so who are you as a person and a lot of people just it's just an appliance which is what we speak against on this show we want you to enjoy it and love it but if you live in a place where the elements are against you 
you park your car outside and it is just a tool for you, then without a whole lot of time, that car's going to look rough. Imagine the crumbs, the crumb mobile. Yes, you're right. You're oh, right. You're right. It's painful to imagine all the crumbs. Nevertheless, Marcus, pride of interest can take on many different forms. Ultimately, if you're just using your car like crazy and you're going on adventures and you're racking up photos from look at what a cool lifestyle mm, I mm. have, that's what car manufacturers mean by lifestyle vehicle. Yeah. They almost don't want you to wash it. As my dad would say, the, the dirt's just a protective coating. I'm like, no, it's not. But okay, <laughs> at least you're out looking, you know, living your life, yeah. going on adventures. Yeah. The car is constantly dirty. It's the difference between when you see a supercar at a car show and you see a car that's a little bit dinged up and it's a little dirty. It's not quite perfect mm, versus mm. all the Ferraris, which are perfect and mm. undriven and perfect spot free everything. What kind of impression do you have? What, what, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think, oh, it's dirty. Oh, it looks terrible. Oh, but the owner is really enjoying it and getting out and driving it a lot. Oh, and they're probably tracking it versus the garage mm. queens mm. that never go out and have fun. So that means the car owns them. And mm. I, my pride of interest has morphed over the years. And yeah. I admit at first I just, I didn't want anything to happen because it is such a big investment yeah. that does change over the years. As you make more or less money, mm-hmm. your pride of interest changes, your priorities change, your interests change, but ultimately it can take on any form. We just like to see good looking cars that are used, but still taken care of. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're giving you the products to be able to do that. So yeah, everybody's different, and I hate to admit it, but the the crumbs is where I draw the line. I know that for sure it is for you, yeah. Hey guys, it's summertime again, and when the weather gets hot, it's time for custom sunscreens and dash covers from our friends at Covercraft. UVS 100 custom sunscreens are made to exactly fit inside your windshield for maximum protection from the sun. They're durable and sturdy for years of dependable use. There's a wide variety of colors and styles available, including Original, Premier Series, and Carhartt. They also have dash mat custom dash covers. They're custom fitted to your dash for complete protection from the sun. These reduce road glare when driving and complement your interior with a large selection of colors and styles, including the original carpet dash mat, the suede mat, the velour mat, and the extremely popular limited edition. Whatever sunscreen, dash cover, or car cover you choose, remember to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com specifically for our audience. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality products that keep your vehicles protected and looking their best. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. For our car debate, we're going to Germany. We are indeed. Matthew and his family are moving to Germany, and uh, they're confused because uh, they currently have German cars they love very much, but none of which are going to Germany with them. They have a 2015 Q5 TDI, a 2010 Boxster S, and a Volkswagen Jetta Sportwagen TDI, <laughs> which he bought. And, and then, actually, it was supposed to be his commuter car, and then he quickly realized he now works from home and doesn't ever drive it. But now, they're moving to Germany for three years. None of those cars are going. We're starting again. This is thick with irony, Matthew. You realize that all three cars are German cars that you own in the States. You're moving to Germany to promptly tell us you want to go to a single-car scenario. He can buy an American Stuttgart. car. Could you buy that? an American car in Germany? I suppose you could. <laughs> Just for the Just irony for the of sake it. of polarity. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, go on. Well, he's, he'll be in Stuttgart with his family. They'd like to be in a single-car scenario due to parking availability. Okay. They would like to do road trips and see as much of Europe as possible. We totally agree. But that means fuel economy as premium fuel in Germany can be up to $8 a gallon if you convert 
the uh, the current yes. cost of liter per gallon Quite to U.S. dollars. He says diesels are out thanks to Volkswagen. It is now banned in many cities in Europe. <laughs> that escalated quickly. Yeah, Dieselgate. What? 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 Diesel? No, we are an all electric car company at Volkswagen. I don't <laughs> exactly. know if you heard, but it's all electric that all the is time. In their we past. don't know what the word diesel means. They also have a seventy pound dog that will be joining them. So a a four door hatch is a must. Mm, okay. And Matthew does not want to buy anything they can get here, and that is the oh, stipulation. Living in Germany, yeah. living especially in Stuttgart, yeah, you can't own something that you can buy in the states. He's currently thinking the M135i five-door or the S3 Audi five-door hatch mm. manual since they don't get that uh, in the States. We clearly like the 235 over the S3, yes, but all-wheel drive for Swiss Alps ski trips. By the way, you can get the two series with all-wheel drive now. You could even get that Grand Coupe and pay more for not Everything. as good of a car. What do you think? <laughs> pay more, get less. <laughs> it's the Porsche. Way. I mean, sorry. No. Yeah. Well, actually, the, M- the M135i five-door is the car I always wish we got here, by the way. Every time we see one of those, I'm like, those are I cool. I totally yeah. agree. Matthew is asking, though, what cool rally-style hatch is he missing? Is a Wagon S4 different enough to justify buying it in Germany? Mm. Now, his budget, he wants to stay right around 25,000 euro or less, but that knocks out the cool GR Yaris. The GR Yaris, by the way, is not large. I just want to put that out there. It is not a big car. 70-pound dog with your family? Yeah, and taking a big road trip and going skiing, that's a lot to Mm. put into a Yaris. They're cool. They're very cool. They are not big. I, I mean, that is yeah. way up there at the top. Yeah. But A, the cost, yeah. B, the size. Mm-hmm. So that means he's looking at the Hyundai i30N, same okay. drivetrain as the Veloster N here yep. in the States, but he's not sure it's different enough. He did like the Veloster N that he got to test drive, but he's out in the Charleston, Atlanta area. He doesn't want front-wheel drive. He gets to play in the snow, but he's also never had rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive experience in the snow, only front-wheel drive. Okay. And he does mention the winter tires that are legally mandated in Germany. Indeed, mm-hmm. he says that BMW would probably get along fine, but the idea of bombing around in a quick all-wheel drive hatchback sounds fun. It does sound fun, actually, yeah. So that's why I mentioned the prior gen RS3 Audi five-cylinder. He says, okay, well, now there's too many options. <laughs> So what is missing that, mm. they, that he doesn't get, that we don't get here? Now, he says he wants to go on the future pilgrimage trip. We definitely invite all of you on that yeah, pilgrimage awesome. trip. But he's not sure if the spa and the Nürburgring track days need to be a requirement for his car or not. He does say rentals will add up. Yes, but when you're on track, I, I, I'm kind of mixed on that. Rentals are a great way to go because it... It introduces new fear of don't wreck the rental, mm-hmm. but it also alleviates fear because it's not your car True. being driven like that. True, yes. It, and, and theoretically, I mean, if you go with RSR, the folks we work with, they've set up the tires for the track and the brakes for the track, and they were going to replace said brakes and tires when you're done, which is why they charge you for it. But then you just walk away. Don't wreck it. Then you just walk away. <laughs> right, right. The top of the email from Matthew says that his plan is to buy a new car each year with that final one old enough to bring home. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So, I have thought of a list of cars oh, here good. for you. I do love that BMW. That is very top. If you can move there and get that 135i. I mean, they sell the new M1M sure, there sure, sure, that yeah. is the five-door hatch that we don't get. It's 50,000 euros. It's yeah. very expensive. Yeah, yeah. However, you could do the German car thing. I mean, if you move to Stuttgart and you don't own a Mercedes or a Porsche, it's like living in Detroit and not owning a Ford or a Chevy or living in Hayward and not owning a Tesla or a, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Are you going to be okay with Location that? requirements. I love it. That's good. <laughs> but what about two brands also owned by Volkswagen Group, but you could get a Skoda Octavia wagon. Thank you. Skoda. It's amazing you went there. I have that exact same car Did on my you? list. Keep going. Or the Seat Leon. Mm, also a good one. Now, the reason I suggest that, even though it's front-wheel drive, is because it will hang out on the Autobahn at 220 or 240 kph, mm-hmm. and it's delightful. Mm-hmm. It's like a little Golf. Well, a little GTI, really. Yes. But if you don't want to go that direction, you have all the French cars available. That's true. These have never been available to you before, and the Renault Megane is way up there yep. in whatever engine size or flavor you can get. You and it I is, are aligning a lot. It's front-wheel drive hatch. You could look at the DS cars. You could look over here at Citroën. You could also look at the Mercedes A-Class. But again, I want to get you away from things. And I'm, I'm recalling all the cars that we've seen in the parking lots at the tracks. Yes. Like the ninth generation Honda Civic Type R. Like, True. What is that, that we spaceship? Didn't get. That is really cool. Dang looking. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, speaking of French cars, can you buy an Alpine A110 over there? Can you buy an... Doesn't meet, meet the usage it's requirements, not but it's really something you're going to want. Yeah. It's not. How about a Macan? Used Macan in yeah, Stuttgart? Is yeah. that too on-the-nose, typical? Well, we have it here, though. I kind of want him away yeah, from stuff. Yeah, true. Okay, here. that's out. I do like your Audi. I do like that M135i. But my car, for you, since I'm all about the French cars for you and okay. living in all Stuttgart right. and not owning German cars. Interesting. Okay. It's front-wheel drive, so you're just going to have to put that aside. Okay. Yeah. It is the Peugeot RCZR. Or just an RCZ. Yeah. It is technically four-passenger. <laughs> Your Two dog's going to have to duck in the, the back. The dog will be ducking, yes. It's front-wheel drive, but the RCZR was 300 horsepower front-wheel drive. It's just the weirdest, coolest thing. It is cool. And every time I walked by one, I just went, huh, I, okay, that exists. We saw one parked in cool. the town of Spa the second year we did the pilgrimage trip, and Paul just was like sucked toward it like a magnet, and we all just kind of stood around and went, Huh. It's and just of course, so weird. And it was such old news over there. It's not totally. like anybody else cared about it. We're totally. walking around it in circles with the weird Americans going, what is this thing? I mean, the, the R version might not be in the budget, but even just a regular RCZ, and then you can say, I own this weird, cool car. It's just full of quirks. Funny. I think they pride themselves on just making things extra quirky. Absolutely. Just for yeah. the sake like, you know what we should do? <laughs> if it's logical, let's not do that. That makes sense. Let's not do that at all. I, I like that. Those are good. I have some overlaps with you, but I also have one you didn't mention I'm surprised by. I have to second the Skoda Octavia wagon Skoda. because I think where you need to be, Matthew, This, you're moving to Germany. Embrace wagon life. Wagon life. You just get a wagon. Yeah. Get a really cool wagon. We get so few here and there are so many there. The Octavia wagon is really interesting. If you, I don't know if, how much of a performance version you can afford because you're getting a little bit used one, of course, but the last time we were at the ring, and we'd love to have you join us sometime, last time we were at the ring, there were a lot of those just hooning. In fact, we were there yeah. one time where during, because here's the thing you have to understand about the Nürburgring, during the week, it is a working track. Right. And manufacturers are renting out the track to do performance testing. Right. And one year we were there, and there was this, I don't know if you remember this, there was this group of like five or six Skoda Octavia wagons hooning as a group. They were doing performance testing. They had like a, a suit, some sort of like, Pace car, if you will, out front that was not a wagon. And then it was like five wagons. And it waited a couple minutes. Skoda, 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 Seriously. Skoda. They'd come squealing around YouTube corner. <laughs> yeah. All five, five in a row. And then they vanish and give it 10 minutes. They'll be back. You know, so those are really very cool. I, I love the Renault Megane that you already mentioned, Paul, because that is a rock star of a car that everybody yeah, runs at the ring. And it is, a, it is 
watch any European test of hatchbacks. It's always way up there as one of the ones that almost wins or does win. They're very, very good. Now, that has a myriad of performance versions, Mm -hmm. but it's a very cool car. But the last time we were there, we had a press car that surprised the heck out of us. You're going to be in Stuttgart. I think it's your car. The Mercedes CLA 250. It was that coupe wagon shape. Those are so good. You're absolutely right. We had one of those. Watch our review. It's on the Test Drive channel. Watch our review of it that we actually did in, it, wasn't it in Stuttgart where we did that review? No, it wasn't. It was in uh, Frankfurt, oh, We picked that up in Frankfurt, yeah, although they did deliver it for us from mm-hmm. Stuttgart. They drove it up two hours and delivered it to us at the airport. So, so thank we you, Mercedes. Did, we did a quick review in, in Frankfurt. It's actually a very cool review. But that, that CLO 250, we had it for the whole week we were in Germany. And both you and I had this experience, Paul, with different people from the trip. It was us and three other people from the trip and the entire wagon back full of, of luggage yeah. doing 150 on the Autobahn, just gone. And it's a little four-cylinder turbo. So, so was the, it like 151 miles an hour, 152? We pegged it at it. I was think like that was as fast as it went. 252 kph, and it wouldn't go any faster. I remember at one point, I did a huge stretch of de-restricted Autobahn with the cruise control set at the U.S. equivalent of 125. And we were having a conversation and bombing down the Autobahn at yeah. 125. The car was full. I wasn't trying to find the fastest speed ever. I literally set the cruise at 125 and just like, that's plenty. And off we Brilliant. went. Brilliant. So, Brilliant. And, but, but it's a little four-cylinder turbo, so the gas mileage is decent. You get to, to give a nod to Stuttgart because you have the Mercedes. True. And, and True. because this isn't the latest, greatest Mercedes and the hottest one ever, I think you can find one for your budget. That's my car for you. I like that a lot because that is the base engine. And you, yeah, you can't get that here. You mm-hmm. could come back, even if you don't come back with a particular car because of whatever reason, Matthew, yep. just everything you know is too difficult. You can still get something close to it, but we missed that wagon. Mm-hmm. When we left, we... We looked longingly after it. Yeah. it. It's so versatile. It's so good and still so compact. It was, it was surprisingly small. I mean, here's the it's thing. so good. It felt and looked smaller than that Skoda Octavia, which is also not a huge car. It just felt like a really nice compact thing without being like GR Yaris small. It was yeah. very usable. Okay, so mix it up while you're there. You know, get a variety of stuff. You've got some options here. Maybe one car per year or get the... You know, RCZR just to have something different. Live with it for six months. There you and go. Be weird and mm-hmm. go try everything and then decide, all right, let's back it off. Let's go get that Honey, CLA. did you see what the weird Americans bought? Of they course. They bought the RCZ. Why did they do that? Giant eye roll. When your car needs new brakes, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with PowerStop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance from something you already need. PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are all bolt-on, direct-fit parts for better braking, no modifications required. Every PowerStop Complete Brake Kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes, including pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low-dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need brakes or you simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. We even found great kits for our SUVs and our cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. On Facebook, jumping over to social media questions, from Danny B., who says, When we talk about electric vehicles... We always say that the skateboard platform is not the best. He's not an engineer, but in his, in, in his opinion, it is the best option since the weight can be 50-50 and the center of gravity is low. 
I wonder then, he says, what would be the best placement for the battery according to us? He would like to understand our point of view. It is the best. Absolutely. It it makes perfect sense. It's the most logical choice by a mile. The problem that both Todd and I see with it is it's going to make an ocean of sameness. Mm -hmm. Every car, no matter what the shape is, plopped on top of that skateboard is going to drive and act and handle and ride Mm -hmm. all the same. Because of that perfect even weight distribution. What we've said before that may have caused the confusion is we have both theorized, and you've done a good job of it, Paul. We have both theorized, would it be interesting, how would a car drive if you stacked the batteries other than the skateboard platform? I mean, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense in order to create a dynamic. (laughs) But because as we're all headed toward this, and I remember back when you were at Art Center, which feels like forever ago, people were already talking about the skateboard concept. I mean, there's, there's no other good logical conclusion but if every car is set up exactly the same with its weight distribution, think about the 911 versus the Ford Mustang mm-hmm. versus an Audi with the engine in front of the front axle. Yeah. Go th- drive all three of those, and you will instantly go, yeah, this, the weight changes how this feels. And something will speak to you, and you will not like you know, yes, one or two of like, them. you'll like, you'll not like. Great. But if everything has the weight between the two axles in the floor, then what does it take for a manufacturer to make it feel different. And I'll go directly to stuff that we just did on our last TV season, season nine. And this is coming to YouTube fairly soon and Amazon soon and all, all these other things. We drove, for, for episode one, we drove three EVs, mm-hmm. the Model Y, the Mustang Mach-E, and the Volkswagen ID4. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have never had so much effort and so much time taken to f- try to find nuances of difference. Normally, you put me in a car, you can give me 10 minutes in each car and I can come away with most of the things I'm going to say in the episode. It right, took me right. the better part of a day of just constant swapping because they all started so similarly yeah. that it was like, it's going to take some real time to find the nuance here. And this is the thing with the skateboard platform is it does create, as you said, that sameness. And that's just it, Danny, that differentiator. What will each manufacturer embrace? Will every car company come to, yep, it's the skateboard platform. We have to do this. Maybe that's the case for all their MPVs mm. and you know, SUVs, we'll say, mm-hmm. just the, the people mover size Which class of vehicle. Makes sense. Great. But if they want to do something else that differentiates and makes their brand stand out mm-hmm. because of sports car or yeah. handling or who are we as the brand, mm-hmm. I've asked before, what makes Jaguar Jaguar? What, what is that DNA besides styling? What, when you get in it and you start driving, if, yeah. if I had my eyes closed, what would I feel that's different than a Mercedes mm-hmm. or a BMW? What is that? I'm asking because some of the ones we've driven haven't been very clear. You have to drive it and you think, okay, well, the interface is different. Wait, 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 wait. That has to do with tech. That has nothing to do with the architecture. Mm-hmm. What is it? On some of them, we found them. Others, we haven't. But that makes us worry about these EV skateboards. So to make cars different in the future, electric vehicles different in the future, it's going to have to get crazy. It's going to yeah. have to be, this makes no sense. This is illogical. Mm. But look what we created because... More than ever before, car companies have the building blocks, i.e. the size of batteries that they can position all over the car to deliberately create the weight where they want it. It's not that we have to package a four-cylinder engine sideways and, well, that's about the only space we have, so it has to go there. Mm -hmm. All right, design the engine mounts and weld them in. Here we go. Boom. Well, now we can deliberately place all these little building blocks Mm -hmm. around Mm -hmm. and create a dynamic. That, I think, is good news for enthusiasts. Be interesting to see where it ends up for sure. 
On Facebook, uh, Issa Bryan says, our thoughts on classic muscle cars. We don't cover them very much. What's our guy's favorite, and we, do we think the price will keep going up on them forever? Um, I kind of feel like, well, stepping aside for a second, all cars have spiked in the last year or two. It mm, yeah. doesn't matter what they are. I think that the muscle cars are going to start coming down some in the same way that the post-war cars have already come down. Because oh. there is, and it's been we've discussed it a few right. times, there's a nostalgia swath of 30 to 40 years that's working its way through cars, okay? Because <laughs> yeah. you were in high school 30 years ago and you couldn't afford that car and now you're of a certain age and you have a certain amount of money and you're just going to buy that car because you're going to feel like you're in high school again. And it's about a 30, 40-year swath. And guess what? That swath has met the Radwood era, which is why all those cars are going up. And that means it has left the 60s and 70s cars, okay? I think they've peaked. I think they're going to start coming down comparatively to where they were. I think their their top is probably behind us because think about the post-war cars, except for the ones that are like the one-offs. The cars from the 30s and 40s aren't getting as much, unless you go to Pebble Beach, aren't getting as much, I must have one, oh my gosh, look at what that went for, as they used to. They don't get a lot of chatter as much. Yeah. Then the muscle cars became the thing. I think we're working our way, we're not there yet, toward the Radwood era being the cars that everybody is p- paying exorbitant prices for. So I think there is that swath that's going to change things. But back to favorites. You know what I realize when I think about that era? Mm. My favorites are all Dodge products. What? I like the Charger. It's my all-time favorite. I will go right back to Dukes of Hazard, but the Charger, the 6970 Charger, I love that one. That's my all-time favorite. And my second favorite big muscle car is the Barracuda. I didn't know that. I just think the Barracuda's cool. The name is super cool. It's very cool. And you hear the... the, the dun, 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 dun. Anyway, moving on. But uh, <laughs> I'm not going to sing. But um, but the thing is, every time I see a Barracuda, I don't feel like I see them very often. I'm, I'm always just walking around and going, that's just awesome looking. Really? So those are the ones that I like. I mean, look, I like the Camaros. I like the Mustangs. I like a lot of the classic ones. But my two favorites are both those Dodges. Interesting. I'm struggling with this one because I actually think I like the 60s Italian and British cars. I mean, they're not muscle cars. I know you're asking. I know for, you do, but he's asking for muscle muscles. Because I would go E-type. We're talking just 60s sure. cars. Done. Classic muscle cars. I guess goats. Probably a, a 67 GTO somewhere in there. I've always liked those. They're they're just cool. Lewis P has a question. A couple of questions. Continuing on with future tech. What do we think of Hyundai's big hydrogen push, and the supposedly they're developing 671 horsepower hydrogen fuel cell sports car they're developing. I think management is hedging. Mm. I think management is probably looking around going, hmm, maybe the infrastructure for EVs isn't going to all be here within a decade. Mm-hmm. And how is it going to be supported? Maybe they're asking questions. Maybe they're not seeing it. Maybe they want to offer a variety. Whether that comes to market or not, I like that they're at least exploring the idea at least going through with it. If they arrive at the conclusion that it is not viable and it doesn't make good business sense, fine. Sure. I'm happy they at least explored that. Mm -hmm. Lewis also says, what is that car weight comparison between two electric car technologies, a hydrogen fuel cell versus the current all battery, the battery electric vehicles available. Wouldn't a hydrogen fuel cell car be lighter and solve the weight problem that we currently see with all battery powered Mm -hmm. electric vehicles? Possibly. It certainly depends on how that would be constructed and what's the size of it and mm-hmm. now you're weighing the the tanks yeah in there yeah. and what's the layout of the larger you know high compression tanks mm-hmm. versus 
the batteries. Batteries are continuing to get smaller and yep. lighter. Yep. That's a push by everybody. Of mm-hmm. course, everybody knows how heavy they are. But I like that they're exploring this, and I think it might be a wash at this point, but I see future batteries becoming lighter and lighter and that becoming less of an issue. But not anytime soon. That's just it. Well, I think it's a wash right now. Yeah, it, it's so hard. I mean, hydrogen, there's a lot of things about it that are great. There's a lot of things about infrastructure-wise that are every bit as hard or more difficult than the electric thing. But I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I don't think it's possible just materials-wise mm-hmm. for everything to go electric. So I do think there's going to be a variety. I'm glad that some companies are at least exploring it. I don't know that it's the solve, though. We'll see. Along these lines, Ryan Reeves says on uh, Facebook, he says, is a stick shift electric or hydrogen car theoretically possible, or did he just embarrass himself? (laughs) (laughs) Ryan, of course it's possible. It's just not necessary. There is, there is no, we're back to the skateboard idea. The most efficient way to make an electric car, because they have, and I'm sure you've heard it before, they have full torque the minute the engine starts spinning. There's no power curve of an electric motor. <laughs> yeah. As, as yeah. When it barely starts spinning or when it's spinning as fast as it can, the torque is identical. Yeah. So yeah. there's, no, no, there's no, never any situation of, you're not in the right gear to get the torque out of it. No, it just has that torque. So... The only reason that electric cars even have gears right now, and Tesla's Roadster did, it had two speeds, I think. The Taycan, I think, has a couple of speeds, but everything else is just like gear. It's just that this is how it's connected to the wheels, okay? There isn't a reason to have you be able to shift gears. So the only reason it will exist is because somebody built it because they want the interaction. It is absolutely technologically possible but in the same way we're saying of moving the batteries to a place that doesn't make sense, it's just going to have to be somebody that does it because they want a certain feel. There's no logical reason to do it for efficiency. And that's just it. It's even more illogical than making weird battery placements because the only thing I, – I guess this is my question to the audience. We've done drag races, but you've noticed that we don't really gravitate towards drag races. Yes. Because at the very end, a car won. Mm-hmm. What does that tell you about the driving dynamics or your enjoyment therein? Nothing. Right. Nothing. And electric cars, let's let them win them all. Yeah. Because of what you've just described. Let's just let them win. Uh Fine. Because electric cars aren't ever going to have the delicious noise and that satisfaction of doing the heel and towing and downshift and Mm -hmm. adding power and the noise gets stronger as you go through the corner and they're never going to have that. So that's the thing that gas-powered cars do have. So mm-hmm. let's just let them have that. I don't care if you're faster. Fine, go be fast. Disappear onto the horizon. Bye-bye. I'll still be having fun back here. How many of us have the opportunity in our car to actually do drag race speeds ever? I just ever is it me? It, I, I apparently I just, it's, apparently it's just you and I. I think because it's just us. You, there's a, a unbelievable YouTube audience. There are many channels that have gotten to millions and millions of subscribers and yes. tons of money because they do a drag race with everything. What did that tell you about the car? Nothing. Car A was faster than car B. Mm-hmm. I might like car B better because Absolutely. of the dynamics or the noise or like the styling and. But it lost. So I'm going to be in the losing car and I'm going to go on my losing way to go drive my loser car and I'll probably be happier. Thomas G22 says, is there anything about cars that we completely disagree on? Hmm. Usually it's styling. And I I think of the Panamera as an example. Or the Isuzu Via Cross. The Via Cross, yes. Because I really like that thing. Inexplicable. You you almost unfriended me as a result. What is the redeeming quality about the Via Cross? (laughs) It's sold a lot and nope. 
It's super good looking. Nope. It was super capable off. Nope. It's somewhat, but okay. <laughs> it's most of the time it's styling. Dave asked a question, and this could be a topic Tuesday, but I'm going to try to touch on it quickly. He says, can we revisit the definition of sports car? Now, I think you're bringing it up because we just had those really cool comparison pieces, the eight car and the five car piece. Fighting words. Yeah, for sure, where we had to somehow pare down the options of fun cars under 8,000. And this, and we pared down the options, not for those videos. We pared it down when you and I set out to buy cheap sports cars. We said, what are our parameters? Right, right. And the place we landed is... Traditionally, and I'm talking about right after World War II, the cars that eventually inspired all of the sports cars of the U.S. were the ones that the Europeans were making that were small, light, two-seat, rear-wheel drive, manual transmission, not that powerful. And generally, they were also convertibles. Not always, but generally they were. Right. Right. So we took those parameters, the dedicated chassis that is only intended to be a laugh. It's a little unusable two-seater. That was the original definition of a sports car. It was just a, a little sporting event. Mm-hmm. And it was sporting in the same way that, that going fox hunting was sporting. It was, it was a thing that people that just had exp- disposable income would just do for the laugh. We're sporting. Nobody else gets to do we're, this. We're sport shooting. We're going to play polo. We're playing polo. And go- <laughs> we're chasing foxes. I bought my little sports car. This is the thinking. <laughs> totally. Okay? This is where it totally. comes from. Of course, the definition has broadened. I would say, and this is the broadest, I'll take the definition. I mean, look, if somebody says to me, what's a sports car? It's the cars we just drove for those pieces. Yeah. yeah. But you have Mustangs and Camaros. You have an FRS, which now has a two plus two. So is that a sports car? I think it is. But wait a minute. It's a two plus two and a hard top. So way, we're getting way off base here. Mustangs, Camaros, lots of fun front wheel drive cars can also be almost argued as sports cars, which is difficult because they are way away from the definition. Right. I think that it, for me personally, it's a car that its purpose for existing and being sold was to be fun to drive. And that can be extended to something like the Fiesta ST. The Fiesta, not a sports car. The Fiesta ST was take a Fiesta, not a sports car, not even a fun car, make it fun to drive. The entire reason that car is being sold is just because it's a laugh. <laughs> And they made it into a race car, and they thought, we'll sell some. That starts to be sports car to me, even though it isn't the definition. There was a question here from Balesbone, who says, Back in the day, some cars were referred to as a gentleman's hot rod. What would we consider today's gentleman's hot rod? Hmm. What do you think? Uh, Aston Martin Vantage. Okay. I was looking at John Henry Newman's definition of a gentleman. Oh, uh oh. And a true gentleman, in like manner, carefully avoids whatever may cause a jar or a jolt in the minds of those with whom he is cast. All clashing of opinion or collision of feeling, all restraint, suspicion, gloom, or resentment. His great concern being to make everyone at their ease and at home. Wow. But then you contrast that with Hot Rod, which is pretty yeah. much, you know, <laughs> the exact cue the Van of Halen. That. Yes. Absolutely. It seems to be ongoing with the horsepower wars from Mercedes and M version of, mm. of BMW. Does it not? You know, along those lines, the, the Mercedes GT, gentleman's hot rod. Gentleman's hot rod. Absolutely. Yeah. It's I, refined I would, and beautiful. But I would say more so than the 911. The 911 is a refined sports car, but there is nothing hot rod about the 911. But I've driven on the same track day on 911 and a Mercedes GT. And the Mercedes GT was the hot rod variation of what the 911 offers. Very, very fun. 
A gentleman has too much good cause to be affronted at insults. <laughs> he is too well employed to remember injuries and too indolent to bear malice. He is patient, forbearing, and resigned on philosophical principles. He submits to pain because it is inevitable, to bereavement because it's irreparable, and to death because it is his destiny. Based on that definition, I think we are all failing in the gentleman category. I, I think we've yeah, all failed. I have failed. I think it's pretty much just hot rod from here on out. We do appreciate all your questions, your topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and most of all your car debates. Send yeah. them to everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. We really appreciate all those questions. Mm-hmm. And congratulations again to James, who won the Z4, and Eric, who won the SLK. Come get your Amazing. cars, guys. That's so awesome. It happened. Looking forward to next time, everybody. Cheers.